Greetings, Father Harmon. Hello, young David, my son. <laughs> mm, yes. <laughs> I guess literally, I guess I call you father. That's right. Well, so we're back into our normal format here. So, yeah, let's talk about some of our thoughts. What do you got, man, for this upcoming Sunday? Uh, well, you know, I'm really struck by, so we got this, I love when we have readings from Sirach because we, it just, I don't really know how often Sirach comes around, but it just seems like it comes out of nowhere. Like yeah, this is yeah. the only time we ever hear it. Right, um, right. And it's such good stuff. I love the Old Testament. It's really, really good stuff. And there's really great, it's such a short reading, but some really good imagery of humility, of how to be humble of why to be humble. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this uh, this great closing phrase, water quenches a flaming fire and alms atone for sins. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so so comparing water to alms and fire to sins? Yeah. Is that how you read that? I guess, yeah. Just kind of these, look, these are things that we have, that we do. You know, I th- last week we had a very active set of readings that were all about um, things that we can do be be disciplined from the letter to the Hebrews be you know to, to be gathered um, we gather to worship and so here I think it's a get becoming a little bit more explicit that idea of action is not just so that we can do stuff that's that's heresy <laughs> that's Pelagianism mm-hmm. um, but rather we do stuff so that we can humble ourselves before God Mm-hmm. Um, or be humbled before God. To be humbled, yeah. 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 I always find in like theological speech it's always it's always safer to err on the side of speaking in the passive voice. That Well, I mean, yeah, that's the that's the example of Mary. May it mm-hmm. be done unto me according to thy word. Yeah, yeah. As opposed to, you know I mean she does say speak in the active voice, I am the handmaid of the Lord, but yeah. you know, for me to make myself humble is is different than letting the Lord humble me. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, was, yeah, and that's from the gospel. For yeah, everyone who so exalts himself will be humbled. Right, to be humble. <laughs> that's exactly right, yeah. Um, you know, now that you're talking, I guess I didn't really think about the first reading in terms of humility, but it's strange just because it's the first line. It just didn't really pop out to me. Immediately there's a connection between the two readings in terms of humility, and maybe that that is a lesson, I guess, from this week's readings. But I didn't really... Gosh, now that I'm looking at them again, it seems like humility should have been the thing that I focus on. Um <laughs> Even what the Alleluia verse, on? you know, uh, Alleluia verse has the meek and humble of heart. That's right. See, what, what I focus on, um, I've been struck by this this idea. Um, let's see, what's the line? Um, oh yeah, okay, so go and take the lowest place. Um, give your place to this man, and then mm-hmm. uh, you proceed in embarrassment. If you take the highest place, you'll take proceed in embarrassment, but then take the lowest place. It got me thinking a little bit about leadership and about power. Um I've often had this thought that it seems like those who are best suited to lead or to wield power are precisely those people who don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've thought about this a lot with like when, when we were in philosophy studies, we had to read uh, Plato's Republic. And in the Republic, you know, they talk about sort of the ideal city. And mm-hmm. there's this real delicious irony in the whole thing because Socrates has this this idea that the one who is best suited to lead the city is the philosopher. And the great irony of that, of course, is that the one person who probably has no interest in mm-hmm. that right. is the philosopher. And it just got me thinking about like, 
my desire for influence and power and leadership, like that desire perhaps makes me not really suited for it in the sense of like the desire to not be wielding power probably would make me a better person to wield it because I wouldn't want it for myself. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And I'm wondering if there's a dynamic there too of like, you know, if you humble yourself or you let yourself be humble in the sense of like taking the lowest place, but not in the sense of like having it in the back of your mind that you want to be exalted, but you'll take the lowest place because you know that's the way to get there. But you want to take the lowest place because you actually want to stay there. But then the reward of great generosity of God is to exalt you in that yeah, humility. Yeah. Well, but there's another problem with this whole scenario. Like the next step is just as difficult. You know, like the old saying, power corrupts. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. Mm -hmm. And so even though, yeah, the one that, I mean, and that could be the, the role of the truly humbled person that they would not be as susceptible to that corruption. But right. I still feel like, I mean, just look at all of the, um, look at all of the examples of people that don't stay that way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, they start mm -hmm. out that way, but, you know, the world gets to them. Yeah, yeah. So I guess like at the outset, those who are best suited to lead and to wield power are those who really don't want it but take it on as a duty or take it on as a as a response to a call. But then your point is well taken, too, is that how, how do you cultivate humility? You know, the first line of the first reading, you know, conduct your affairs with humility and you'll be loved more than a giver of gifts. Yeah. You know, so continue to act out of humility. So how do you receive, you know, maybe influence or power or be called to serve? Uh -huh. And you're hmm. coming from a place of humility, but you need to continue to cultivate that throughout, you know? Yeah, so I wonder, this may be getting a little bit off topic, but um, how do you, I think I have the answer of how you do that. How's that? You are willing to give it up. You see it as a temporary thing. Hmm. Um, the powerful man knows the limits of his, of his authority, and when his time is up, he steps aside. Because hmm. it was never about him. Right, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, no, that's good. That's good. Um, yeah, I find that interesting. And then also like, so one thing I like about the first reading that reminds me of that is the line that stood out to me was the mind of a sage appreciates Proverbs mm -hmm. and an attentive ear is the joy of the wise. What I find interesting about that is that like, it's the sage that creates the Proverbs. <laughs> so <laughs> the, the, the sage is the one who speaks proverbially, but he appreciates Proverbs in the sense that He's always in a disposition of wanting to learn. In other words, he's never finished. Like no one who, a person who's truly humble realizes that they're always in need of being challenged to grow. Right, right. I mean, and that goes, again, that goes back to, um, to Socrates. Uh, that he knows nothing. Oh, yeah. Was that, was that Socrates? Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know that the one that's truly wise is the one that he who confesses that he knows absolutely nothing. Right. Um, now, maybe just to make this more of a homily and less like a philosophy class. How, how does I think maybe this this precisely is who Jesus is, is is the man who is willing to go down into the lowest place. Yeah. But wants to remain there. He wants to remain in the lowest place. But paradoxically, he turns the world upside down and then right. ends up and the lowest at the place top. becomes paradise. Yeah. 
you know, and there's something really beautiful there is that he doesn't go all the way down so that then he can have victory through annihilation as he reconquers mm-hmm. those who have conquered mm-hmm. him. But by descending all the way down, the whole picture flips and yeah. where he is, that's the land of the righteous. Yeah, I like that. And, you know, I think even to take it a step further, it's not just Christ that, I mean, it is Christ that transforms the world. Um, yes, okay, I'm not trying to uh, disagree with that, but we can't forget that we are now brought into that. We are adopted. Mm-hmm. We are now co- co-creators, co-heirs with Christ mm-hmm. through his sacrifice, through that descent. Mm-hmm. Um and so that could be our, cha- I mean, that could be the good news, our challenge, um, that it's not just, it's not just that we have Christ as our model, as our, as our redeemer. It's that he is our, um, well, I don't want to say this. Well, I don't, okay. Yeah, I'll stop there. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's our model for sure. And then the Alleluia verse comes in there very strongly. Mm-hmm. He said, take my yoke upon you right, and learn right. from me. Like yeah. learn from me. Again, you know, there's an I, action. There's a very active. Um, yeah. Yeah, humility is one of those. Humility is one of those funny things, just because I I struggle with it because it's one of those things that's hard to know what it is. Like, what does it mean? <laughs> what does it yeah. mean to be humble? Um, I feel like I have glimpses of it in my life, and it's usually the times when it's like, it's unexpected. You know, it's kind of like, oh yeah, I'm very willing to be taught. I'm very willing to be corrected. Like those are dispositions of humility. Yeah. But they happen kind of rarely. Uh, I don't know. I kind of find myself always waging war against taking the lowest place. Yeah, there's a. I've I've been humbled in my in this new assignment for sure, um, and the the part the the way that comes to mind, um, comes to the top is the a lot of the style like the musical style, and some of the worship style. It's not really my preference, hmm. um, but I am constantly reminded that. It doesn't matter what my preference is. <laughs> mm, like these yeah. are this this moves the people, right? This is uh, these are the these are the songs that invigorate the community. Yeah, and that's what's important, not what right. I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But see, what's interesting then is that you were you were then humbled, right? Passively, like you were humbled by yeah. by this and by God, but then that made you into a better servant. Mm-hmm. You know, for that community, which is supposed to be a servant to that community, right? right? Like, no, that's good. I like that. Um, yeah. What else? There's there's a few words that stood out to me in the readings that I I don't really have a lot of content, but there's just things that I flagged. One at the beginning of the gospel, the Pharisees. I like this line: the Pharisees or the people were. Sorry, no. He went to dine at the house of the Pharisees, but the people we're observing him carefully. I just mm. was really struck by that line. We're observing him carefully. Yeah. It kind of gets to that idea of letting Jesus be your teacher. Yeah. Um, well, you know, maybe and for the last two for days, we've, um, Jesus in the gospel of Matthew, at least has been super critical of the Pharisees. Yeah. Uh, like just calling them out left and right. And so I right. can imagine like, yeah, the people are observing why you've been yelling at these people and calling them terrible, terrible mm. people. And now you're going to sure. go eat with them. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. But also, I guess, like, I, I was thinking about it also in terms of of this. Isn't that the definition of prayer, maybe, of of adoration, of observing Jesus carefully? You know, yeah, being, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and there's something there about that. This whole this whole gospel passage begins with the disposition of a prayerful, a prayerful right. posture right. of, you know, 
uh, I'm reminded of that scene in The Passion when Jesus talks to Mary from the way of the cross and says, you know, behold, mother, I make all things new. And he was all he was almost saying to her, you know, watch what I'm about to do. Just mm-hmm. sit there and watch. Or you know, I'm reminded of the Garden of Gethsemane, you know, stay and watch and, and watch and wait with me. So the disposition yeah. of the disciple is to observe him carefully hmm. because he will be the one who will show you how to take the lowest place truthfully. Yeah, know. yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's interesting. The um, the guy, This passage is actually split up, chapter 14, um, verses 1, and then skips over to 7. Um, I, I could totally see the rest of this being an explanation of what he means by that. Of the observing? Of observing, yeah, observing him carefully. So mm. this is what that'll look like. You have oh, to be last. You have to be humbled. You have to, you know, do all of these things in That's order really to cool. observe him carefully. So it's almost as if the passage was designed where verse one, we jumped six verses, and then verse one is almost like this is the this is the point. Yeah. Observe Jesus. Yeah. Don't be yeah. like the Pharisees. Actually observe him. Don't just yeah. watch him to try and trap him. Observe him carefully so mm-hmm. you can learn from him, mm-hmm. you know, like the Hallelujah verse again, learn from me. Right. Um, no, I like that. I mean, there's, I guess there's an exhortation here of 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 becoming of, of prayer, I guess, of meditation. And if you go back to the first reading again, the mind of the sage always appreciates a proverb and the attentive ear is the joy of the wise. So if we're going to be wise and if we're going to be sages, then we need to always appreciate the proverbs and the the message of Christ as he speaks mm-hmm. to us in parables here. So it's kind of an interesting dynamic there of in Sirach, we say we're reminded that it is the joy of the wise to have an attentive ear. And then notice in the gospel, Jesus tells a parable. Right. So are we actually listening? Yeah. You know, and are we taking yeah. joy in what he says? Yeah. And you know, like this is something that I didn't even consider um, that I would often teach when I, when I was doing teaching scripture, um, Parables are meant to be shocking, like to kind of make not a lot of sense. Hmm. Um, you know, like the, the the great example is the sower. Like Jesus is telling them how to be a bad farmer. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's obviously not the point of the parable. Right. Um, and so, yeah, th- now kind of looking at this more like a parable than, um, than I don't know what else I was looking at how I was looking at it before, but maybe we're just looking at it as instructions, but it, yeah, if yeah. it's a parable, how does it change this? You know, how is yeah. it hyperbolic? Maybe is it hyperbolic in any way? Yeah. I mean, I don't think, well, I don't know. What do you think? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it says when you are invited by someone to a wedding banquet, do not recline a table in the place of honor. A more distinguished guest than you may have been invited by him. Um, wouldn't at a wedding you would just sit, wouldn't you sit wherever it is that you're told to? Is that a very modern <laughs> yeah. conception of yeah, wedding? I think that may be wedding. a modern thing, yeah. <laughs> um, I think maybe he's just saying, don't presume you're the guest of honor. Hmm. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, no, I like that. And it's all about humility, I guess, in the end. Because the wedding banquet, of course, is also... Well, also, of, of wouldn't, the, wouldn't those being married be the guests of honor? Hmm. Maybe. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how, enough about ancient wedding practice to know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, you don't know. You missed that day of class I you did, know, I in did theology school. That. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just will say, I mean, maybe it's food for thought. We don't have to answer all the questions here, but just food for thought to be thinking about, you know, what does it mean to be listening to Jesus tell a parable when the first reading tells us to have an attentive ear and take joy yeah. if we are really to be wise? 
there's a really good connection there. But also, is there some value in this gospel that is maybe hidden in the fact that it's a parable and mm-hmm. not just he's not just narrating what's actually taking place at the right. at the dinner table? Right. Yeah, and I think that's how uh, certainly I read it, and I think a lot of mm-hmm. people read it as Jesus yeah. is telling of what happened at a wedding that he went to. Yeah, but it's actually a parable. A parable. You know, the one that I always think about whenever we think about parables being a little bit exaggerated, you know, and I think about the one where we heard it a few days ago at Daily Mass, um, where the um, the landowner pays the uh-huh. servants yeah. the same amount <laughs> yeah. throughout the whole day. Because um, it's always so mind-bending, right, that that that's just, you know, and I guess the whole point of the parable, right? It's to really bend my mind around what is justice, what is mercy, what is, mm-hmm. you know, but parables have this way of really bending my mind around, you know, maybe actually, how about this? Like parables tend to reverse things, right? There's a reversal of expectation. Right. And this parable itself has this whole thing about a reversal of expectation. Yeah. You know, to, of not being presumptuous. Yeah, I mean, I can I can just imagine the guy that comes in to a it doesn't have to be a wedding, just to an uh, to a meeting or to a party or to whatever um, a gathering of friends, and presumes to be like the most important person there. You know, sits mm-hmm. at the place of honor, controls the conversation, just does all of these things, and they're usually insufferable. Oh my gosh! Yeah. <laughs> Like, those are usually the last person that I actually want to talk to. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so perhaps, and again, this is just speculation. I wonder if this is like, uh, do not recline, recline at table in a place of honor. Well, would anybody actually do that when you're invited to, to a wedding banquet? Um, mm. And think of the person that yeah. would actually do that. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I could think of a few people who would. Right. I mean, well, that's what I'm saying. Like, think of the person that would actually do that. Oh, I see. I see. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, we've we've talked about a lot of different angles for this gospel. I So this is one, right, in terms of your own personal humility and, and how it is that you find yourself or I find myself, you know, being humbled and being told to, to move down. But also, I think going back to our earlier comments about leadership and power, it's mm-hmm. this applies still there, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, Ignatius in the society, it has us take vows to never aspire to higher office. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think there's something really wise there of saying, you know, if something is called forth from you, then that's one thing. But if something is in your heart to aspire to for the sake of the grasping of power, then that's completely different. You know? Right, right. And also there's the, the you know, there are two models, I guess, of leadership of um, like being a general. You know, do you lead your your army into battle by example, by leading? Hmm. Or do you sit in the back in the tent and kind of mastermind everything? Yeah, no, that's good. I've been watching uh, The Lord of the Rings again in the Hobbit movies. And it's one of the things that I've been struck by in all six of those movies, but especially with the Lord of the Rings trilogy, I've just been really struck by how the leader of the fellowship is always the first one to run into battle. Yeah. And it's very moving. It's very moving to see. It's like, I will follow you, you know, to death. Because you're willing to pick up arms with me. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot there. You know, and Jesus does that first, you know, for us. And he goes all the way down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool, man. All right. You got any, anything else? I think it's no. pretty good. You know, it's kind of interesting. I've been neglecting this in my own homilies. I've noticed in the past couple of weeks, uh, the second reading, I rarely comment on it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, me too. Um, 
And this could be an interesting thing. I don't know if we'll if we'll end up doing this, but if there are people still listening this far into the podcast, maybe <laughs> you can maybe you can comment on Twitter whether or not you prefer to have each reading touched upon explicitly in your homilies. Um, oh yeah, yeah, that's a good question because like I never th- know. Like a theme, you know, if because what what has been happening for me at least is I'll get I'll be moved by a line. Um, like last week, it was um, the narrow gate. Like, appro- how do you approach the narrow gate? And my whole homily was based on that. Right, um, right. I think you and I are similar in that respect, that I prefer to take a line and, and really go with it. It might be our training as Jesuits that yeah, our spirituality is, like, is a lot like that, you know? Yeah. Um, anyway, that's a, good, that's a good invitation. So, yeah, yeah. if anybody Maybe if we'll it has a, a preference. Poll. Yeah, that sounds good. Cool, man. All right. Well, until next week. All righty. All right, dude. Peace.